The Blockhouse Podcast is also brought to you by the Liberland Aid Foundation. The Liberland Aid Foundation is the humanitarian arm of the Free Republic of Liberland, whose philosophies of freedom, volunteerism, and charity communicate to the international community the compassion that Liberland has for the world. The Liberland Aid Foundation is a U.S.-registered 501c3. All donations made are tax-deductible. To learn more, go visit LiberlandFoundation.org. All of the awesome audio and beats on the Blockhouse podcast are brought to you by my good friend Tiger at It's Tiger Music. So go check out It's Tiger on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Music. What's up, guys? It is Wednesday, December 2nd. This week on the podcast, I have the VP of the Blockchain Acceleration Foundation. He goes by PG. I have a hard time pronouncing his name, so we go by PG. They're doing some awesome stuff to help promote education and blockchain, and they have a lot of partnerships in California with different universities, and they're doing a lot of work in terms of getting accredited courses um, and hackathons and conferences and all kinds of stuff. So these guys are awesome, and they're really doing a lot to help push blockchain from the educational side. So anyways, be sure to subscribe and share this episode with somebody that you think would like to learn more about blockchain, the Blockchain Acceleration Foundation, or at least just get educated. Enjoy. Okay, let's see if I got this. Pierre Giacomo, how are you? Pretty good. How about you, Brandon? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. My name's a little bit easier to pronounce than yours, so this will be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, anyways, for the people out there that may or may not be familiar with who you are and what you do, do you want to kind of give like a brief um, introduction and background on yourself? Absolutely. Um, well, as my name might suggest, I'm originally Italian. I'm from Milan. Um, studied economics in Italy, um, moved out to California about three years ago. Um, I worked for um, an angel investor network for about two years. So I did a lot of startup works, uh, worked very close with entrepreneurs and uh, founders and investors. Um, and I was uh, back then I was in Orange County and I was going to um, a lot of the meetups uh, organized by blockchain or UCI. Um, so that's kind of how I got into uh, the community here in California. Um, and then after that, unfortunately, being an international student is not the best. So, um, you know, for visa purposes and also because I've always wanted uh, to go to grad school, um, I went to UCSB to get uh, my master in technology management. Mm -hmm. uh, while I was there, I ran the blockchain club there. Um, it's pretty, pretty great experience until COVID hit, unfortunately. Right. Um, but it, it was pretty fun. We organized uh, um, the first blockchain conference at UCSB. It was a great success. We had almost 400 uh, attendees, uh, 55 speakers. Uh, mm. um, was also, there was a development tracks for, uh, uh, for coders, uh, which was great. Uh, we were also able to get the former CEO of Cambridge Analytica, which was kind of controversial, mm -hmm. but we thought it was the best approach to get people interested in the space because you want to show the problems uh, and then present the solution. You don't want to show the solution right away. Mm -hmm. uh, so we thought that was a, a good way. And um, yeah, so um, after that, you know, we um, kept running the club. Um, I got involved with uh, the Blockchain Acceleration Foundation, also known as BAF, 
um, about two years ago. So previously, uh, previous to, um, you know, running the blockchain club at UCSB and moving to Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm the vice president uh, there and it's been a great two years. Uh, we can say we survived crypto winter. So um, now is, you know, with, as we were saying, with the market booming and a lot of, you know, interest uh, um, in the space, uh, you know, we're, we think we're well positioned to uh, really take to the, this to the next step. That's good. Yeah, the crypto winter was pretty hard for a lot of people the last couple of years, especially when especially for an unknown profit. <laughs> oh, yeah. When you go all in and you, you jump into this stuff and then all of a sudden it, it, it tanks like 90 percent. Like I can't imagine it's, it's really difficult, but glad you guys made it through that. And it sounds like you do quite a lot of work in California. So is that where you guys are based? Yeah, so um, let me give you a little bit more context about Bath and, uh, you know, how this all got started. Sure. Um, so basically, um, you know, my, uh, my partner and founder, uh, Cameron, um, he founded Bath when he was running uh, uh, the blockchain club at UCSB. Um, and the main reason why uh, Bath got started was because, um, you know, there were all these blockchain companies eager to come to, to universities and, you know, pitch their product, pitch their protocol, engage with students and, uh, you know, also incentivize clubs to, you know, run great events uh, um, with donations, uh, donations in cryptocurrencies. Unfortunately, uh, the nonprofit of the, of the universities don't accept crypto. Therefore, companies cannot get a tax deduction from their donation which is what normally happens with any other sort of donation. So for example, the artificial intelligence club, um, they can get a donation in, in dollars, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, a donation in dollar and then you know, issue a tax deduction. Uh, that couldn't happen for crypto companies. That's why BAF got started in the first place. Um, and then specifically in California, there are a lot of blockchain clubs. A lot of universities are very close. Uh, so specifically in Southern California, um, the community has been pretty active, uh, even throughout crypto winter. Um, so, you know, we, we all met in person and uh, we decided to just like start working together. So um, Buff got started. Um, the original founding members were presidents from uh, blockchain clubs from all across California and Mexico, in particular UCLA, UCI, USC, UC Davis, uh, um, Caltech, UC San Diego, um, Cal Poly, um, and UNAM, which is the largest university in Mexico. Uh, from there, we kind of expanded, um, especially with COVID, because uh, mm-hmm. you know doing things locally uh, didn't make really much sense anymore just because you know now that we're all virtual we can expand it borders don't matter anymore were you um, able to were you able to operate very well like under covid this year i i gotta tell you um our operations are way leaner and you know it's mm-hmm. it's it's smooth sailing it's just better to you know manage and organize everything um and i think this is a truth for us that we're a small nonprofit. Uh, uh, but it's also true to large corporations. I think there's been a shift in how things are run um, and I think it's for the best. Um, so I, 
probably we won't go back to what we we're doing before. Uh, adapting is part of the process. And I think, yeah, um, I think things are just, you know, we can move faster now. Um, and that's why going back to the expansion now, we're, you know, we're collaborating with clubs um, all across the United States, but also abroad. Um, we're very close with the blockchain club at uh, U University of Michigan, mm -hmm. uh, Rochester Institute of Technology on the East Coast, Carnegie Mellon, uh, UT Dallas, uh, um, the Midwestern Blockchain Consortium. Mm -hmm. um, all of these are, you know, are all students, club leaders uh, um, at great universities. Um, so, you know, now that we can, we have to do everything virtually, just, you know, easier for us to connect with people and, um, you know, collaborate on tangible things. That's what we're all about, tangible collaboration. We're not interested in, you know, just partnering uh, uh, with like, you know, a large group of blockchain clubs and just putting a logo on the website uh, without really doing anything for a year. Um, and that's why we started in California because we could have tangible collaboration because we could meet in person. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the background of, you know, how Buff got started, where we are right now. Um, you know, happy to expand on, you know, our programs and what we do. Yeah, absolutely. I think I've had a cl at least one blockchain club on the podcast a year ago at nice. uh, Michigan State's Spartan Blockchain um, organization. They were on the podcast. And then I had Portland State on last winter as well. Those were really fun. So we were talking about um, the ability to have an actual curriculum that's accredited or for credit um, and how there was such a lack of it. And it's, I was going through you guys' website when you guys do, and you guys are, that's one of the things you're pushing for, right? In California? Yep. Uh, yeah, that's actually our bread and butter. Um, our main goal is education. Um, and the way we see we can scale educa blockchain education is by starting accredited courses at some of the best universities, not mm -hmm. only in the United States, in the entire world. Um, the reason why is because you can train engineers at scale. If every quarter um, a group of engineers take a blockchain course, a blockchain development course, uh, that's how you get new developers into the web free space. Um, we're very focused on technical courses. So our courses are less like, what is Bitcoin? What are use cases for blockchain? Uh, our courses are like, you know, going to from, you know, consensus algorithms to, uh, how Ethereum works, uh, how to develop a, a decentralized application, uh, we get pretty technical. And um, so actually great news. Um, we just got our first course that we started at UCLA renewed for the third year in a row, which I think is pretty good because, you know, it demonstrates the, the interest from the university uh, to keep teaching this subject. Um, and the way we, we go about courses is um, we have, first of all, we, um, you know, we quote unquote partner uh, with a professor because professors are the one that can list courses within a university. Mm -hmm. uh, we work with them in developing um, the syllabus. We work with the blockchain club at the university um, to, again, to develop the syllabus, but also to facilitate, uh, you know, speakers and, you know, the whole logistics of a course because 
trust me, it's a lot of work. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, well, um, in addition to that, we also source speakers because there's no single professor that can teach uh, the platter of, of topics that you should teach in a blockchain course because it's not just Bitcoin or what is Bitcoin. Uh, um, blockchain is the convergence of different subjects. It's not just distributed systems. It's also game theory, economics, uh, um, you know, there's, there's much more to just computer science. Uh, and also, um, you know, this such a top notch technology and, um, that professors are not really at the cutting edge of it. They, they're not really aware of, you know, what's going on in the space uh, and what are the hottest topics, uh, what are the best companies. Uh, um, so we're, we act as this kind of like trusted, um, matchmaker that, you know, ensure that there's, you know, quality um, in terms of like the type of companies that um, go talk and give a speech at these universities, because there's a lot of fraud out there. So there's, there's a lot of specialization that goes into it, too. I mean, you got a lot of professors out there, but hardly any of them, if any, know much about blockchain and, you know, what they need to teach their students to offer that kind of a curriculum. And that goes for all kinds of things, too, not outside of blockchain, whether it's, um, like like ai and stuff like that and um cloud computing and there's so many different industries that are constantly evolving every year it's just there's not a lot of course material out there for that stuff unless you get specialized and there's nothing really out there for blockchain for that reason as well um so i definitely know firsthand how difficult that is i was in college uh three years ago and they didn't have anything it was a huge topic like everyone wanted to like take a course on it or learn about it at least but there's just no material or no one that's really knowledgeable um, as a professor that can teach it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And actually, in terms of uh, um, what, what you said, there's no material. One cool thing that we did with uh, um, the last course that we organized at UC Davis, uh, um, we got the school to accept to open source the entire class. Um, so now there's the entire course is online and you can watch the videos. Um, and, you know, you, you just, you know, you don't get the units that UC Davis students are getting, but you're getting very, very high quality education from some of the best leaders in the space, uh, um, some of the best companies in the space. Um, and, if, and we think this, that's super important. Uh, we, another thing that I would add to that is that um, kudos to the Blockchain Club at Berkeley. They were the first ones to start this very very formal and structured decal with like a bunch of topics a bunch of classes uh, um i think that kind of paved the way um you know to to form our curricula and uh you know high quality courses so what's the what's the path here to get these universities to provide more accredited courses um is it just creating more material and more education for educators to, you know, have a class like that? Or is it bringing certain people in and then doing it like conference style? So I remember taking certain classes in college because I was a pre-med major at the time. And some of the topics were so high level, they, they would just bring in speakers. And then we'd listen to the speakers and take tests on that. And that would <laughs> count towards our, our credit for the course. Um, so I'm kind of just curious, like what direction you think is best to go, you know, to help these universities get on track because, you know, blockchain is like 
I think it's on track to be the highest skill um, in demand for 2021 as well. Uh, just like the last two years. So there's so much demand out there. They got to start educating people at some point. Yeah. You, you bring up a great point. <laughs> and I guess the short answer to that is you got to get uh, the students interested. So mm -hmm. Uh, for example, at UCLA, uh, for two years in a row, the, the entire course was filled in less than a day. Um, that shows the university that students are interested um, and they really want to learn about it. Um, another thing that we found useful was making the course project-based. So, for example, the course at UC Davis that we started, 85% uh, of, the, of the final grade is uh, a project. Mm -hmm. uh, these projects are suggested uh, by the professor, but also by some of the companies that are coming in. Um, so, for example, you know, um, the companies would come in, present, you know, give a, uh, an overview of what their protocol is or what they're doing, uh, um, you know, maybe a, um, a short demo. Um, and then they, you know, they... Um, they give the students the option to, um, you know, they, they give them some, some use cases slash uh, uh, kind of like some, some structure to uh, what a, a good project would be. And we found this to be very engaging with students because, you know, they can, you know, they can actually start building something. So it's not just knowledge and then you, you take a test, uh, you, you, right. you can start building something. And also another point there, um, the, the entire course was structured to, uh, for the final project to be presented in the form of a grant. Uh, the reason to that is because um, a lot of these blockchain companies out there, they have a, they have a large uh, grant program. So there's a, it's a good, good amount of money out there. And, um, but if you're a developer, maybe you're, you, you know, you're not very comfortable in writing a thoughtful proposal uh, to get that money um, to start building. Uh, so we kind of, you know, we, we taught students how to do that. Uh, so when, when after the course, uh, uh, they can go and submit their proposals to these protocols and get funded and start building. Uh, um, and yeah, so mm -hmm. that's, that's the virtuous cycle that, that we envision. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I mean, it seems like you already had the interest there among the students. Like, it doesn't seem like that's changed. Like, they want to get into this stuff and they want to learn more about it. So, it doesn't seem like you have any issue there. You know, it's just connecting that that bridge and that educational gap, I guess. Yeah, uh, absolutely. There, I, I, one thing to say though is that um, much of the interest, especially back in 2017, 2018, we, when a lot of these blockchain clubs were born, mm -hmm. uh, was mainly for trading, mainly because sure. Bitcoin was skyrocketing and mainly because a lot of people were making a lot of money. Mm -hmm. uh, therefore, the average college student uh, that is interested in technology and, you know, uh, is informed, uh, you know, they want to get close to the space and understanding how, how can I... You know, I don't want to say get rich on Bitcoin, but you know, how can I get closer and like get a better understanding of how how this thing works? Mm -hmm. um, we're more focused on the technical side, though, because that's the long run and that's where the ultimate value lays. Um, as you as you were saying correctly, um, you know, blockchain is one of the skills that is in highest demand, and especially blockchain engineers. Uh, are very well paid. And another thing is like, uh, 
you can like a good experience in uh, blockchain development is considered to be a couple of years. Like if you have a couple of years of, you know, blockchain development, Mm -hmm. you're as if you were like a full stack mid-career engineer at a SaaS company, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, which for a freshly graduate student is not that bad. Also, because those couple of years of uh, experience, they can gain that through courses at universities, engaging with the club, uh, working on projects. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, there's just not enough people out there that can do that. So, you know, they're going to get paid really well off the bat if they know what they're doing. So Absolutely. Um, I tell people all the time, if they don't know what they want to do, you know, take some coding classes some computer science classes and, you know, look at this stuff <laughs> because there's a lot of money to be made. Um, if you get into it early on and uh, from the technical side and some good jobs out there and um, it's interesting to me, but w- when you look at like the sample pool of like students though, um, do you think that they're mostly interested in crypto because of like Bitcoin at this point, or do you think that they, it shifted more towards like understanding the technology? Um, I think it's both a mix of both. It, it also depends on the background of the students. So the space attracts both technical and non-technical people. Mm-hmm. Um, the non-technical people are mainly from a business or economics background. Uh, I'm guilty. <laughs> uh, I'm one of them. Um I'd love to see other, you know, um, other groups of students with other backgrounds getting more into the space. Another, you know, uh, great category is designers, uh, actually artists, because with NFTs, uh, uh, there's a huge potential there. Um, I see that coming later on, but um, I mean, the NFT market is booming. I mean, there's oh, the yeah. community is huge um, and it's growing. So that's great. Uh, yeah, I've got on tons and tons of uh, quote-unquote crypto artists. Sometimes they like the term, sometimes they don't, but that's kind of what they are. Um, but yeah, that market has been doing really well the last couple of years. And that'd be cool to like have within a university system. Instead of taking your typical art class, maybe learn how to make an NFT and do it on blockchain or something. That'd be fun. Oh, yes. That's music to my ears. <laughs> and I, yeah, we're, we're working towards that eventually. And also it's easy at universities because, you know, if there's if, if it's a large institution, uh, there might be the computer science department and the art department and the business school. Um, so you, you kind of have all these different backgrounds in one location, in one hub. Um, so, you know, it's just a matter of getting those people interested. Um, another great category in terms of university students is are gamers. Uh, there's a lot of uh, gaming clubs, and they're huge because mm-hmm. um, college kids like to, you know, to play video games, and I'm guilty of that as well. Uh, but you know, that's that's another great use case for blockchain and a, another great intersection. Uh, but I want to go back to your previous question um, concerning Bitcoin or technical. Um, I'd say the one the, the the students that are really really interested are ultimately interested in understanding the technology. Uh, we've seen you know students coming in just because they're interested in Bitcoin, um, coming to one of our events. We organize uh, um, weekly virtual events, um, so we see we see those students coming in because you know they're interested in crypto. They want to learn more. 
but then they don't really stick around. The ones that stick around are really interested in the space, are really interested in getting a job in the space. Uh, they see the potential and the value of the technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's ultimately, you know, those are the people who are going to build this industry. Gotcha. It, so like when Bitcoin is, you know, obviously Bitcoin's almost $20,000. Like it's getting really close. I th- it was like 19.5 or 19.6 yesterday. Um, so like, you know, when Bitcoin's doing as well as it is right now, do you think that distracts students from, you know, the technology and their excitement is coming from the fact that, oh, it's going up and people are making a lot of money investing into it and maybe they want to learn how to trade it versus, you know, when the market's actually kind of down or at least very quiet, um, you know, people are mostly talking about the tech and they're, they're building and doing more productive stuff. Do you, do you think that affects their mindset in terms of like who would be signing up for these courses or getting involved? Uh, definitely. I think, you know, <laughs> Bitcoin being at 20K, you know, it's you, if you, I was reading an article today, uh, the correlation of Bitcoin price and, you know, Google searching like Bitcoin price that skyrocketed as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means there's a lot of interest. Um, but, you know, Bitcoin is not the only one out there. Uh, you know, if two just launched and it was what it seems a great success, um, and that excites developers especially um, because, you know, Ethereum is exciting if you're a dev, uh, mm-hmm. more than Bitcoin, uh, definitely more than Bitcoin. Um, there are a lot of other layer ones protocols out there that are doing great stuff and, you know, that they're building these, these ecosystems uh, um, so there's a lot of opportunities. Um, there's, you know, and also another thing is that, um, we see a new wave of entrepreneurship coming in, um, and this new wave is facilitated by blockchain. So all these protocols, uh, they launch their mainnet. Uh, the protocols are live. Um, the ecosystem is pretty small. Uh, of course, Ethereum is the largest one. Uh, there's a lot of applications out there. Um, all these other protocols, they, their ecosystem is smaller. Uh, and what that means is that there's a lot of opportunities uh, for interested devs out there to start building on these protocols, um, which I think is pretty exciting because you like in, in the web free space, you can literally um, build a company and scale it in a matter of three months. I'm thinking of, you know, DeFi protocols like here in finance, uh, um, you know, if, if you look at that and the amount of money that they, they amassed in three months, that's, that's just insane. Oh yeah. Um, so there's a lot of opportunities out there. Definitely. Yeah. There's a lot of money moving into this space very quickly. Um, you know, when you're, you guys are talking about this stuff and teaching it and, um, providing it, like, are you guys mostly using Ethereum as an example or building things on Ethereum or talking about Ethereum? Or do you also kind of bring up the fact that it does have like competition that is similar and different in certain ways oh no we definitely bring that up uh we are blockchain agnostic we just want to present people with the options or better said with the options that we believe are valid options um and then we let students decide okay um because again there are other protocols that are very exciting out there um we're very close to near protocol uh to algorand uh, uh, Sello, uh, you know, th- those are great projects. Um, those are all great projects. Uh, Protocol Labs is another one. Um, 
so the, the opportunities are there. Um, definitely Ethereum is the richest ecosystem. Uh, there's, you know, there's more dev tooling out there. There are more libraries that, you know, developers can use. There are more courses, there are more mentors. Uh, the, the community is just bigger, you know. Right. Um, but all these other protocols, they're, you know, the reason why they got started is not to be the Ethereum killer, but just, you know, to, to, to you know, to have their own space uh, in the industry. And uh, if that is by, you know, bridging, creating a bridge with Ethereum or just doing their own thing, doesn't matter. They're still, it's still valid tech. Uh, it's still great tech that can scale mm-hmm. um, and has, you know, there's all, like all the good signs are there. It's just a matter of engaging the community, getting people onboarded, uh, getting people interested and, you know, creating new opportunities. Yeah. It, I talked to a lot of people and some of them are, are not very agnostic. <laughs> they're, they're very um, maxi <laughs> one maximalist one side or the other. I've met people that are definitely Bitcoin maximalists and they think that you can build everything on Bitcoin in the future. And then there are people that are Ethereum maximalists and say Bitcoin doesn't need to exist. And, and then you get all kinds of different opinions. It's always kind of fun, especially on a podcast, but um I'm, I'm hoping that there's a diversity at least in, you know, the tech and what's out there. It'd be cool if Ethereum wasn't the only, you know, main DAP platform and there is competition to it, you know, it helps both protocols push each other and grow. Maybe there can be some competition with Bitcoin in the future. You know, that stuff's healthy, um, healthy economically and technologically and um, with innovation. So, you know, hopefully we can get there and it's not just a, one one coin to rule them all type deal <laughs> yeah I, I really hope so and i i mean we are the very very early stages of all of this um you know we can make the classic example of the dot-com bubble and you know back then it was you know similar scenario similar situation start with three, few players uh, but at the end of the day you, you you have to see who's gonna scale to hundreds of millions of users if not mm-hmm. billions uh, and those are going to be the real winners. Right. Um, we ho- all hope to decentralize software. And, you know, we're all kind of open source guys here. Um, we believe in decentralization. Uh, we believe in community. Um, we believe in software for good. So um, if that's the goal, um, I think that being maxi kind of goes against that. Mm-hmm. And also it's not very healthy for the space in general. Um, cause we're going after, you know, first of all, we're going after the problems. So how do we bank the unbanked? Right. How do we make sure that, you know, our data online are safe and secure and we actually own them. Uh, and then we start finding the solutions uh, and there is no one solution for all. Um, so I think again, focusing on just one coin or one project uh, and saying that that's it. I don't think it's healthy for the industry. Maybe that's what it is ultimately, but I think we'll need to wait at least five to 10 years to you know, make a final judgment. Right. I think we're making some good progress though. Cause like three years ago, um, you know, people would really only talk about Bitcoin or if they talked about cryptocurrencies, it was from a financial perspective. There just wasn't a whole lot of talk on you know, what you could do with the tech other than Ethereum and Ethereum was still pretty young given what it was doing at the time. Um, you know, today, you know, it's it's kind of interesting because 
like take the election, for example, not to get into politics, but there were so many people upset that we had our own blockchain conspiracy theories. They were using blockchain to verify votes and there's some conspiracy that, you know, this election might flip or, you know, this could get figured out in court. And I, I was like, I don't know if that's the reality, but it's cool that people are thinking that way. You know, how blockchain can solve problems, though, because in the future, in the U.S. and definitely in other countries, you'll be able to use blockchain to help, you know, verify voting as a solution um, on top of all the other things it can do. So, you know, I see little things like that all the time now from ordinary people. And it's like, okay, well, they seem to understand the technology a bit better. It's not just from a financial perspective. So, I, you know, I think we're moving in the right direction slowly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's the goal, ultimately. Uh, we want to enable people. Uh, mm -hmm. The goal of Bitcoin is not Bitcoin being at 20,000 so a bunch of people can get rich. Mm -hmm. um, the goal of Bitcoin is making sure that every person on earth can own uh, their assets digitally in a secure way without a third party saying, you know, telling them if they're owning their asset or not. Um, and, you know, another great value of Bitcoin and crypto in general is, you know, you can move across borders, across nations, across countries with just a USB with all your wealth in your pocket. And mm -hmm. there's nobody out there that is going to tell you that you cannot do that. Uh, that's the core value. Um, so that's why I think the whole, you know, maximalist propaganda sort of... Uh, uh, is definitely not healthy. Um, and yeah, moving forward, uh, I think that's probably gonna, you know, it, I don't want to say penalize, but like um, some of the people who are pushing that hard uh, will have to reconsider their thoughts, in my opinion. Right. Um, but let's see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how things shape up. I mean, what do you think is, where, where do you think the market's headed you know, overall, because obviously we got this awesome, you know, growth in 2020, despite even the, the pandemic and everything. And there's a lot of interest, a lot of money coming in, a lot of development. Do you think that carries over well into 2021? Or do you think this is going to be similar to, you know, late 17, early 18, where it kind of crashed again? Because, um, you know, it's like Bitcoin's moving fast. But the other other projects are seeming to come up a little bit slower, at least right now. You think maybe that's healthy growth or a little bit of a bubble we're in? Or what do you think? I'm, I'm super bullish on the crypto market. And I know that sounds biased, but I gave two reasons. Um, the first reason being the ecosystem is there. The ecosystem is growing. And it's not just Bitcoin and Ethereum. It's all these other protocols. They are very young. Uh, like we're talking 2017. Um, so, you know, it's in, and, and some of these are already unicorns, like near protocol is a crypto unicorn. Um, and they're backed by like some of the best VCs in the world. Uh, they have some of the best, you know, computer scientists, cryptographers, academics involved. Mm -hmm. um, I work close with the Algorand Foundation um, and they have some of the best, academics there uh one of their advisor actually just recently won the nobel prize in economics nice. so definitely the smart people are there um mm -hmm. this is going to incentivize entrepreneurs uh, especially young ones uh to start you know 
populating these ecosystems with applications, with businesses, because that's the, ultimately the goal here. Right. Um, and that's my first point. The second point, and the main reason why I'm bullish is because um, overall, despite many of, like, of these companies uh, being based in the US, um, many of their employees working, being Americans or being based in the US, uh, the US are still, you know, kind of left out of the market. Um, you know, Cameron, for example, uh, cannot participate in certain token sales that I can participate as a, an, a European, um, which is crazy. <laughs> and, uh, and that is why, and that is because the, the American government, uh, um, you know, I don't want to say they have an unfriendly approach to crypto, but they definitely, it's, the space is highly regulated. Uh, yeah, there's a reason for it too. I mean, they, they don't there know is, what to do about it. Absolutely. Um, and that's fair. Fair enough. Absolutely. Especially after the ICO boom and all the scams and, you know, all the people that got burned. Um, but I think that is, you know, regulation is great. Uh, but what has happened in the, in the past years is kind of like, you know, the government took the approach of like, let's, you know, let's sit back and see what happens. And then come you know after and regulate which is great um but you know i i see and i don't want to go back to politics but mm. i really think that this administration will double down on blockchain um and that is at like you know the, the federal level i'm talking like nsf grants and like you know consistent capital and another reason for that is because they have pressure from china because china is at the cutting edge of this. They're way ahead. Um, you know, they have their program figured out. They know what they're doing with blockchain. Um, they have a master plan. The current um, current administration or the incoming administration? Yeah, sorry, incoming administration. Okay. Yeah, yeah, currently elected administration. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be political. Here, no, I got but, you. I understand. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. The the incoming administration. Um, and it's just, it's not a matter of like, you know, what party it is. I think it's just like whatever administration, um, you know, they, and it's not just the US, the entire world is like, they need to follow China, like China is really there. Um, so everybody else kind of feels, you know, this, the push to, to get there. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, blockchain is not just this, this new technology that, you know, people don't really know about, uh, um, like, the EU, for example, like they have a framework, they have a legal framework. Um, structures have been built, uh, uh, legislators have worked on this. Um, so, you know, it's getting more formal, um, but I think slowly but surely the, the government will get into that. And as soon as the US market, um, you know, kinds of opens up, then you have 300 plus million people getting into it. Uh, at full pace and at full capacity. Uh, And that's going to boost the market incredibly. I think it's inevitable just because of how much money is in this market at this stage and being how young it is. Um, Also the competition out there too. I mean, you got China launching their uh, national sovereign digital currency. It's going to push a lot of major first world countries to jump on that bandwagon. And I, I guarantee the U.S. has already got a potential future plan laid out for that anyways. Um, but I mean, the interesting about the U S is it's such a big country and we operate a lot of the times at the state level more than we do at the federal level with this stuff. And 
it, it looks like the states, a lot of them that I um, have had contacts and be able to talk to people and that are at work and um, the uh, different agencies there, especially in Wyoming and Arizona, um, some states like that, they're doing a lot of work with blockchain. Um, you know, it'll probably be some of these states putting together um, some really good use cases at the state level that they will eventually be able to take to the federal level. Because um, they probably won't just roll something out at the federal level because no one really understands it yet. And you got all these sandboxes and pilots going on in different states. I, you know, someone there will probably bring it up at some point because um, there's just not enough senators and reps really understand it yet. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, great, great point with Wyoming. Uh, but I think that's, that's actually one of the, of the benefits of federalism, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you can kind of test things locally. And then if they work, you can scale them um, across all the states. Um, another point there is, um, you know, also considering our roles uh, with universities, um, you know, historically speaking, uh, uh, universities in the United States are the hubs for innovation. Uh, so if there's a new technology, um, you know, and you want to explore it, uh, you get a bunch of smart people at one of the top universities, uh, you give them a grant uh, and you tell them, okay, start researching this and see what comes out. Uh, if, if results are promising, then you can scale that. Um, mm -hmm. So we see that like actually universities playing a, a huge role in the industry um, with more capital, more interest, uh, um, we can really scale this. Um, and I think the minds are there, the talents are is there, um, all, the, you know, all the right pieces are there uh, to take it to the next step, really. Yeah, we're, we're getting there. You know, before, before we wrap up and everything, um, you know, do you guys have plans to like expand this outside of California or is that like your main area of focus right now with your existing, um, you know, work with universities there or like what's the roadmap look like for you guys? Uh, well, actually, we are in the process of expanding our board. Um, so how we're governed is like uh, all the clubs that are members of BAF. Um, each one of their presidents sits on our board and presidents do two things. They vote on bylaws and they vote on budget. Um, and also, of course, we, we work on projects together um, and that also expands to the rest of the club. Uh, but right now we're actually we're we're gonna add new board members and in particular people from uh, uh, University of Michigan, um, University of Dallas, uh, Rochester Institute of Technology, uh, Carnegie Mellon, um, the Midwestern Blockchain Consortium. It's a consortium of different universities in the Midwest. Uh, so I cannot say what particular university we're gonna have one of their representative. Mm -hmm. uh, joining our board um, so yeah definitely we're expanding outside the US and also uh, we are adding um, um, a club in Australia um, in, at the University of Adelaide um, so their president is going to sit on our board so we're definitely expanding internationally um, there and also like the American market is great as I said many of the top companies are based here mm -hmm. um, but probably the you know 
you can start testing use cases and like have a you know a more engaged community um in other countries where you know people are more eager to get into the space because it's not as direct because they are they don't live close to san francisco where all the top blockchain companies are based mm-hmm. uh, they really have their push to get into the industry uh, therefore you know they're more eager to collaborate they're they're more eager to you know um be part of the community um so definitely this is an international movement this is a world movement and uh, living in a virtual world definitely helps. Yeah, it's exciting, man. Exciting for you. Exciting times. Good, good time to be in crypto for sure, especially with the markets trending up right now. Um, how can people find out more about your guys' foundation? How can they find you online? Well, first thing first, follow us on Twitter. Uh, and also, uh, you know, if you're interested in the space uh, and you don't have a Twitter account, make one because the entire community lives on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, so follow us on Twitter. You can visit our website at blockchainacceleration.org. Uh, you can find more information about who we are, what we do. Uh, also check out our, our YouTube page. Uh, we have all the recordings of our previous previous events. Uh, we ran... Um, over 25 events with like top people from the industry, from Silvio Micali, from Algorand, Amin Gunsira, from Avalabs. Uh, um, we actually last uh, two weeks ago, we hosted an event on Ethereum governance. Uh, and all of a sudden we see a Vitalik in the chat. Uh, and it yes. turns out it wasn't a troll. It was actually Vitalik joining our event. And, you know, we, we invited him on stage, of course. Uh, so that's pretty great. And also attend our events. That's, you know, that's where we meet. Uh, also, if you want to meet other students, uh, other blockchain professionals, network with, you know, great people from the community, definitely come to one of our events. And we have the upcoming one that we have is in two days. And it's all about crypto taxes, especially if you're making a lot of capital gains uh, mm-hmm. uh, with tokens. You, it's, you know... Uh, you will have to pay taxes. So we're having a lawyer from Baker Hostetler coming in and also one of the co-founder of the Giving Block. Um, So definitely worth checking that out. And yeah, and also feel free to reach out to me personally. I'm on LinkedIn on Twitter. Um, Yeah, happy to Yeah, what's the Twitter? I'll follow it right now. Uh, The Buff Network. De Bath. Like, yeah, sorry for my pronunciation. Is, no yeah, they're like, yeah, like T H E Bath Network. Oh, the Bath. <laughs> yeah, the Bathness. <laughs> gotcha. Boom. Guys, go follow. Oh, you can't see it. That sucks. Wait, there you go. There you go. Maybe. No. Okay. <laughs> I got to work on that with Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, dude, I already forgot how to pronounce your name, but PG, right? I can call you that. Yeah, that's it. That's great. Okay, cool. PG. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. Really appreciate it. Uh, fun talk. Love what you guys are doing and um, looking forward to following you guys and what you're your mission, your adventure and everything you're doing. And you know, education is so important, especially in, in this space. The more people you get educated, the more can get involved. So um, it's awesome what you guys are doing and again thanks for coming on thanks Brent. yeah thanks for having me it was a pleasure absolutely have you on again in the future for sure um, whenever happy to be back whenever cool. you want cool alright have a great week and talk to you soon likewise you too bye alright bye